Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lifelong Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Kumjan, and thank you so much for being here. I am excited because today I am talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is hormones, and I get to interview an expert. Her name is Caitlin Sullivan, and she is behind the Spring to Life Method. She actually started out her career as a ballerina, and as ironic as that is, she was a ballerina at the Milwaukee Ballet, which was the ballet that my grandmother was a part of opening up back in the day. So we had some cool connections and synergy there, but I loved hearing her story about transitioning from a ballerina to a health coach slash expert in the field of hormones. And so today's episode, I know we've done a few episodes on hormones, but today's is really going to dive deeper into balancing hormones and talking about cravings and food and intuitive eating and really going to instead look at hormone, instead of looking at hormones kind of through the lens of birth control or some of the other topics we've talked about, this one is really about optimizing your hormones and what role does metabolic health play and what role does intuitive eating play and really how can we use food to optimize our hormonal health and Caitlin Sullivan could not be a better guest so please join me in welcoming Caitlin Sullivan. Hey Caitlin how are you today? I'm good, Heidi. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. It's so exciting to have you here today. We're going to be talking about cycle syncing and hormones and what non-toxic living has to do with hormones and all the different things. But because I'm curious and because I'm sure the audience is super curious, how did you become interested in living a lifestyle that supports your hormones naturally. What is your story? How did you get into this line of work? Well, I didn't, I certainly did not start out life with this perspective. I, I I like to think of it as my past life. I was a professional ballet dancer for about 10 years. I entered the professional world when I was 17 and that took me until about 26, 27. And it was my passion at the time, but as I kind of approached the end of that part of my life, I realized how taxing it had been on my physical body, on my mental state and my body image. And I was kind of left picking up the pieces of these like chronic overuse injuries that I had and just totally whacked out hormones and just not really having any idea how to actually take care of my body. And as I moved out of my ballet career, I really started to notice all of these symptoms coming up that were normal, so to speak, more common. And now I know they're not normal. Like I was having chronic migraines. I was having a lot of um, neck and upper back pain that was related to some injuries that I had. But I was also experiencing lots of things that now I know were related to my hormones. I had gut issues. I had mood disorders like anxiety and depression. My cycle was pretty much non-existent because of the hormonal birth control that I had been on. And I just started to connect all of these dots between the things that I was experiencing 
And that's when I went into health coaching and then hormone health coaching. And it was just kind of this spiral into me figuring out all of these things that I should be doing to be taking care of my body and making my life actually easier. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And I find that a lot of holistic health professionals end up in this line of work, not by choice, but ultimately end up finding the silver lining, finding their purpose, finding their passion. And because you were able to kind of go through your own journey, now you're able to help so many people. And I didn't know that you were a ballet dancer. That's really cool. Yeah, it it feels like so far away from me now. But when I was in it, it was like the only thing that I could like think about it it was all consuming I loved it so much which I think you kind of have to be in that mentality if that's what you're going to be doing oh I know that I have a friend who's a professional ballet dancer and it's been a serious commitment even finding like a ballet school and and all of that it's like you have to work really hard and then there's like a slim chance that you even get picked and back to hormones and cycle syncing I'm sure a lot of people listening have heard of the term cycle syncing, but I'm also confident that there are people listening that don't know what cycle syncing is. Can you explain to the audience, maybe in layman's terms, what is cycle syncing at a a minimum? And then we'll kind of dive into the nuts and bolts of like foods and exercise and all those things that help with cycle syncing. Yeah, absolutely. So This was like kind of a shocker and like eye-opening to me when I started to learn more about hormones, but there are four phases of the female menstrual cycle, not just your period. So we have the menstrual phase, follicular, ovulatory, and luteal. It could also be just divided up into follicular and luteal, depending on which perspective you're taking. And it is really, especially when you first learn about cycle syncing, it can become like there's so many details and so many moving pieces and it's so complicated and how do I figure out which phase that I'm in and the more that I've studied it and put it into practice in my life the more I've wanted to simplify it and that's how I try to teach my clients and my audience about it and it really what it really comes down to is really paying attention to your energy each day like where you're at and paying attention to your body's needs So for instance, when you're in your menstrual cycle, your energy is typically going to be much lower. You need more rest. You need nourishing foods. As you move into your follicular and ovulatory phases, that estrogen is rising. So your energy is also rising and you have more of that like go-getter energy about you and attitude where you can really get things done. You want to be social. You want to try new things. And then as you move out of your ovulatory phase into luteal phase, your energy starts to wane a little bit, estrogen drops, and we have an uptick in progesterone. And it's kind of almost like a nesting time where you want to wrap things up and kind of start to spend more time at home and be more, a little more cozy. And then it starts all over again with your next period. Wow. And I, I love that you said you want to simplify it because I think if someone's just starting out, even the terms like follicular like that's a tough word to even pronounce or luteal whatever I'm glad that your part of your mission is to like simplify that and make it work for the layman for the the everyday person that that wants to just become more aware little side question do you use any 
app to keep track of this? Are you journaling about your cycle? Like, what are some ways that the audience could, I guess, start to identify what's what phase they are in? Yeah. So there are, I mean, there's tons of cycle tracking apps out there. I use the FEM app, which is F-E-M-M, and that's because that is the method of cycle charting that I teach. So if you are going to use your natural cycle as a form of contraception or if your goal is to conceive, charting your cycle is a really great place to start because then you're really aware of when your fertile window is. What I like about the FEM app is you're entering in data every day. And the goal of the app is not to predict ovulation, which a lot of apps out there do. And it's actually not possible to predict ovulation. So you really do need to be paying attention to what your biomarkers are each day, because especially the follicular phase, that time period between your period and your fertile window can be variable depending on what's going on in your life. If you have more stress going on, if maybe you're sick or you're taking a medication, So it's not like you're going to ovulate on the same day every cycle. Things change and you want to be really aware of what's going on, especially during that fertile window. Your hormones can be fluctuating 30 to 50 percent in a single day. So it's really important to be making, you know, accurate observations. I also when I start working with clients, I do encourage them to start tracking on paper, at least for the first couple of months, because I feel like it's a much more intimate practice than just like tapping your phone and kind of out of sight, out of mind. You have to take a couple minutes to sit down and be really deliberate about the observations that you're making and the notes that you're taking. So I'm a proponent of both. Good, good. Thank you for for sharing that as well. And the next follow-up question with cycle syncing is, are there certain foods or exercises or just lifestyle habits in general that are good for each phase of the cycle? And if so, can you list those out for each of the four phases? Yeah. So if you think of the four phases of your cycle as like correlated to the four seasons, your menstrual phase is winter. So in the most simple way. I like to think of what is in season or what is most common to be eating during winter. You've got warm soups and stews, roasted root vegetables, winter vegetables, things like that. You also want to think of even just like colors, like red fruits and vegetables, like beets and cherries and strawberries are good during this time. We're kind of replenishing as we're losing blood during our bleed and anything that's really iron rich too. So like sea vegetables are really great. And then as you move into your follicular phase, things that are more in season during spring. So sprouts, green vegetables, salads, you might even notice that your taste buds change a little bit during this time. You might have a little bit less of an appetite. So you just kind of want to follow what your body's telling you while still getting the macronutrients that you need, making sure you're getting adequate protein. Your body also metabolizes carbs a little bit better during this time, so you can be a little more carb-heavy during that follicular ovulatory phase. And then as you move into luteal, so ovulatory obviously is more summer, so fresh fruits and vegetables, healthy fats are really great too to support ovulation. And then luteal phase, kind of moving into autumn, so again, moving into more like soups and roasted vegetables, um, anything that's really anti-inflammatory, citrus, turmeric, things like that are really great to incorporate during that phase. And then if we're talking about exercise, this is one of my favorite things to cycle sync. I'm a huge proponent of low impact movement. 
as somebody that spent a lot of my life over exercising, being able to kind of step back mm-hmm. and do less has been really nourishing for my body, but also healing for hormones. And I've seen this in my clients as well. So I'm a certified Pilates instructor. I love sharing Pilates with my clients, but I've also kind of developed a way to adjust the intensity throughout your cycle so that you're doing more stretching and restorative movements during your menstrual phase. You start to ramp it up in your follicular and ovulatory phase, incorporating some strength training with weights as well. And then just kind of keeping it in mat Pilates as you move into your luteal phase. Love that. And I will say to share with the audience, I do enjoy cycle syncing my workouts. Not that I am perfect about it, but it's almost like a mindset. So I Mm -hmm. love lifting weights and I lift weights with a trainer a couple times a week. And I'll notice that there are days that I'm struggling, that Mm -hmm. I'm kind of frustrated. I'm like, why do I feel so weak today? What is going on? And then being able to remind myself that, wait, I'm in a different phase of my cycle right now. And lo and behold, I I look on the app that I, I forget what the, I think it's called Moody. That's the app that I use. And it's always like, oh, you're, you know, approaching your menstrual phase or you're in your luteal phase and then it just helps me have grace and accept that I don't need to be my absolute like strongest like most intense workout you know it doesn't have to be like that it's it's almost just like having that awareness of the cycle has kind of like set me free with my workouts even if I'm not necessarily doing the correct workout in that phase. Like maybe a yoga is better during the menstrual cycle, but it's knowing that I'm okay and I will be stronger once I get to the other part. Absolutely. I love that. And that's something, especially when people are getting started with cycle syncing and maybe are used to doing the same really intense workout all the time. Like for instance, before I got into health coaching and cycle syncing and all of this, I worked at a spin studio at the front desk. And so I got unlimited spin classes and there was so many people there that I watched come in, maybe sometimes doing doubles where they're doing these really intense workouts. And I even experienced it in myself that it would either aggravate an old injury or would cause more inflammation in my body. I'd be like, I just did this intense cardio workout. How am I feeling like so puffy and like bloated and inflamed? It's because your body is reacting based on what your hormones are doing. And I think what you said is so perfect that just being aware of where your body's at allows you to have more grace for yourself, more acceptance for your body and more understanding of, you know, what your body needs and how to work with it as you move forward. Love that. So speaking of working out, I had another thought come to mind. This is maybe a a personal question and it's very probably a controversial question. But when working out in the morning and thinking about hormones, Mm -hmm. is it better to work out fasted or to eat before that workout? In my opinion, I would eat before the workout unless you're, you know, if you're getting up at like 5 a.m. doing a 530 workout, that might be a little bit different. But I am a a big believer in eating breakfast within an hour of waking up. So I think Mm -hmm. if you're kind of, you know, within an hour or two, if you can eat breakfast and that workout happens to happen before breakfast, I think that that's okay. And if you feel good about that, but 
for the most part, I believe in eating, you know, 20 to 30 grams of protein for breakfast within an hour of waking up. Me coming from a background of intense burnout and like adrenal fatigue. And I was at one point teaching 6 a.m. Pilates three to four days a week. I would roll out of bed, make my coffee and head to the studio. And I wouldn't end up eating a meal until 12 to 2 p.m. So I was like, doing this unintentional fast that was really detrimental to my health and my energy and my mood. So especially if somebody is working on healing their hormones and kind of getting things into balance, I really do think that breakfast first is a good idea. But if you're in a place where you know this is part of your routine and you know you're going to get those macronutrients in right after your workout, then I think that that's also okay. I will say I agree with you. I mean, I've had a couple workouts, you know, those super, super early ones where I do end up doing it fasted and maybe they go well, but I've had other times where I feel horrible, like I'm shaking, I feel like Mm -hmm. I can't drive and it's like, oh my gosh, if I only, you know, ate before, but why is it that eating in the first hour is so important for your hormones? Yeah, so it's kind of it kickstarting your metabolism and giving you energy. Men and women's bodies are so different. So for men, intermittent fasting can be really beneficial and help with weight loss. And I know a lot of women that have done intermittent fasting and at first they do see that weight loss and then you kind of hit this plateau where maybe your body starts to kind of work against you a little bit. And it's because we need the protein and we need the carbs especially to be producing energy. Our hormone production is directly related to our, you know, macronutrient intake. So when we're not getting food for long periods of time, that's actually triggering a stress response in our body. So if you're fasting in order to lose weight, but then triggering a cortisol response, then you're kind of working against yourself because that cortisol is going to take over. It's going to start to over time protect your body with inflammation. It might even start to steal progesterone from your menstrual cycle. So just eating every three to four hours and keeping balanced blood sugar is really essential for healthy female hormones. Yeah, I hope people rewind and listen to that part like on repeat because it's so, so critical. Even the eating regular meals within three hours, I... That's always something without, let me backtrack for a second. Back in the day before I had knowledge of hormones or holistic health in general, pretty much my whole life I've needed regular meals. Like it's, Mm -hmm. you know, five o'clock, I'm ready for dinner, which was back in the day. Now I eat later, but like 12 o'clock, I need lunch. If it's later, if I start getting out of these windows then I get kind of irritable. I get really hungry and whatever. And it's like, why do that to yourself? Just eat regular meals and your hormones are so happy. And it's an easy thing too. Yeah. This is actually something that I think about quite often because I am like number one hangry girl. Like if I don't get a meal, like I get hungry, then it's, it's not good for me. And it's probably not good for the people around me either. And I've been that way since I was little. And I remember feeling like some shame around that, even as a little kid, because, you know, I was maybe 
acting out. I was younger. I didn't always know how to express that. But as I got older, I realized that I was kind of like feeling shame, like, oh, she's hungry again, or we have to eat again. And it was really just me listening to like my biological needs. But especially like being around women that had been so conditioned by diet culture, I think that that really played into um, some of my feelings around food and body. And then it plays into this food fixation where you are constantly thinking about it, but maybe not nourishing yourself in the way that you should be. So I think it's so simple, but I think that just understanding that having a balanced meal of protein, carbs, and fat every three to four hours is essential for your health. And it's not crazy. It's not excessive. It's what you need. Another thought came to mind when growing up with like diet culture or seeing people around you, whatever. I feel like the biggest aha moment I had with me realizing like I need regular meals to feel good with a balance, balanced regular meals is when you're around, maybe it's a big group weekend or a big group trip and there's all these girls mm-hmm. and it's lunchtime and you're hungry and you want lunch. But then there's other girls that are like, oh, I don't really you know, want to eat lunch or I'm not hungry yet or mm-hmm. this is my first meal of the day. Like you start then psychologically thinking like, is something wrong with me because like I'm hungry and this girl isn't hungry and mm-hmm. it's it's so weird but I think the the moral of the story is like stay in your own lane listen to your body you even had a good post recently about intuitive eating and how it's not like I think you said something about a cookie like oh if you have this intuitive pull to like eat a huge cookie right now. Like that's not necessarily intuitive eating. Can you speak about that? I'm I'm probably butchering the whole thing. Yeah, no, you're you're onto it. So let me see if I can. I'm trying to remember the exact post, but I do have some strong thoughts about intuitive eating. Kind of like this disordered eating background with like being a dancer and all of that. So I strongly believe that you can't be an intuitive eater until you have healed your gut and you understand what it means to eat for balanced blood sugar and to eat for healthy hormones. I've seen a lot of social media influencers talking about intuitive eating, and there is a certain sort of freedom in saying, yes, it's okay for me to have a cookie, which I'm not saying you shouldn't eat a cookie, but if you're constantly craving something sweet, we should be asking like, what is your body actually telling you? Maybe you need some more sweet vegetables. Maybe there's some mineral deficiencies that you should be filling in. If you're constantly reaching for that salty bag of chips, why not just put more sea salt into the food that you're cooking? If you're wanting something sour, that could point to something that's going on with the acid in your gut. So there's all of these like deeper things that we could be uncovering based on your cravings. So intuitive Mm. eating is not just following your cravings. It, there has to be some deeper work done, whether it's like going to get blood work and working with a practitioner to really heal your gut or just really understanding what it means to build a balanced plate when you're sitting down for that regular meal every three to four hours. So not just following cravings, although sometimes it feels good <laughs> to follow your craving, you know, yeah. if you're constantly having those cravings, then that might be pointing to a deeper issue. Yeah, I mean, cravings, you hit the nail on the head. Cravings are usually, at least consistent cravings, are usually some type of deficiency. And it's it's really cool that our bodies work that way, that they can give us these 
these kind of clues and hints and Mm -hmm. you know it's just about taking the time to look deeper into it for some people it's easier to just keep eating the cookies or the bag of chips you know but what if you were able to address the mineral deficiency you know Mm -hmm. like think of all the possibilities there yeah and that's something too like i think our bodies are so smart and they're constantly sending us messages i know before i really dove into my healing journey, I kind of was in this low place where I felt like a victim in my body. I was dealing with skin issues. I had horrible cystic acne. I was getting sick all the time. I was constantly having like infections. My I was having more and more food sensitive sensitivities coming up, plus like the physical pain that I was dealing with. And it felt so overwhelming until I started to peel back the layers and say, okay, what is this actually telling me? And from there, you can kind of work backwards and get to a more healthy and vibrant and sustained place where you don't feel so out of control all the time. I know. So low-tox living. I know you're into it, which I love. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This podcast is all about non-toxic living. I guess, what are your thoughts on toxins and hormones? So I think as I started to just get more into like what it meant to listen to my body and what a holistic lifestyle looked like. I really started to examine the things that I was using, whether it was laundry detergent, dishwasher, so candles in my house, perfume, the skincare and the makeup that I was using. That actually skin probably is, that was where I first started because before I even started thinking about birth control or my hormones, like on a deeper level, I was dealing with this very vain, like vanity issue of having cystic acne. And I was working with an esthetician getting facials monthly for a couple of years. And while I was seeing progress, I started making changes in my diet and I saw progress. I started realizing that even some of the products that I was using that I thought were clean were really greenwashed. So that's why I wasn't seeing full healing in my skin. And then I started to realize that, okay, this hormonal IUD that I have is definitely playing a role in what's going on with my skin and why I can't like fully heal from it. And so when I started to integrate more holistic approaches, like simply drinking golden milk, that made such a huge difference in my complexion that I was like, wow, these plants really have some power to them and there is some truth in their healing properties. So that kind of led me down this path and I started to realize that, oh, well, I have always gotten a headache when I'm around someone wearing perfume. So maybe I should stop wearing perfume myself when I do and like kind of eliminate those types of fragrances from my life. I stopped using candles, which was difficult (laughs) because it's nice, you know, it sets a vibe. But even I found like the clean candles still do have like some, you know, the smoke still contains some carcinogens and it still was affecting me, giving me headaches. So I just really started to examine like how the things in my home and in my life were affecting me and if it was bringing up a symptom and if it was, then I was looking for an alternative. Yeah, I think that is the the best approach. Honestly, that's something I advocate for my audience is to you know, start making these small switches, whatever category you want to address first. You were, you know, doing fragrance and skincare. Maybe some people want to start with their cleaning products. 
I think it's too overwhelming to think I need to swap everything out because everything is unhealthy and a carcinogen and bad for my hormones. Like that's too overwhelming. But if you make these small switches, ditch the candle, ditch the dryer sheets, upgrade your skincare, upgrade your hair care, like you and by you, the audience will start feeling better. And then that's this awareness. It's this mindfulness of Mm-hmm. And, you know, conscious consuming of the products that we are bringing into our home. And what happens then is the overwhelm goes away and motivation kicks in because you realize, whoa, I feel better without these things in my home. So I, I really love that that you shared that because that rang true to me. Yeah, I think it, it can feel, like you said, overwhelming to start with. But then once you try something new and see this positive effect, then it becomes something that you're like, okay, I can get on this train. Yeah. And there's there's really no stopping once you get on it. It's like the best thing in the world, I think, is being able to make conscious decisions about my health. And, you know, I'm really on this mission to make non-toxic living easy and accessible because I I do understand that there are barriers to entry and there are there is a lot of unlearning to do mm-hmm. and the world we live in the in- industrialized chemical world we live in with you know big corporations not looking out for people government not really looking out for us not to sound negative but it's like it's not the person's fault and, you know, there there is a lot of learning to be done, but I, I truly believe that there is a big movement going on. I mean, you and I are both interested in it. I'm sure you can see people on the internet that are growing more and more interested. And yeah, so that's my little rant about non-toxic living. Do you have any other comments about non-toxic living? Yeah, I think, like you said, there's an unlearning that has to be done. Like, for instance, you know, I used Windex for a long time because my mom used Windex and her mom used Windex. So the same thing about your laundry detergent or things like that. But the thing that's been kind of bouncing around in my head lately is that we vote with our dollars. So if you are putting your dollars towards a clean brand, maybe that you can't get at Target, maybe it's something that you can only buy online or you buy through a sales rep or whatever it is, like you seek out this cleaner brand and you choose to spend your money with it, that over time sends a message to these other companies that for so long have been poisoning us basically (laughs) with these toxic products Truly, that, hey, we're not okay with bringing these products into our home. We're not okay with exposing ourselves or our pets or our children to these products. So either you change what you're doing or you don't get our money anymore. So I think, especially for people that are maybe, you know, feeling a little bit on the fence or not sure about which direction to go, it's important to remember that your dollar holds value in more ways than one and where you choose to spend it sends a message 100 percent, it does and i think ingraining that in people helps prevent the overwhelm again because it's so easy to think 
oh, we're not going to get anywhere because these companies have been doing it for so long. But what if we have the power? We hold the power as consumers. So the number one step here is education. In closing, Caitlin, this has been so wonderful. Do you have any final resources to share with the audience? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been uh, really fun to chat about cycle syncing and low-tox living. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at spring to life method. And if you're interested in cycle syncing, if you're interested in kind of making some switches in your lifestyle and, and your habits in order to support your hormones, I'm actually opening up enrollment for my new program called Get Synced. And it's going to, oh, enrollment starts next week, the second week of July. I'm not sure when this episode mm, will come congrats. out. Enrollment will be open by then. So it's a three-month program where we'll overhaul your habits in the first month and get a Pilates practice in place. And then over the next two months, we work one-on-one. I'll help with accountability and habit coaching, get your workouts personally cycle synced for you, and make nutritional and supplement adjustments in order to meet your goals and help you eliminate your symptoms, regulate your cycle, eliminate PMS all the good stuff. So if that's something that you're interested in, I'm opening enrollment and I also have some goodie bags that the first few women that enroll will get. So that is happening. And I also teach cycle charting for anyone that's interested in natural birth control or ready to conceive and wants to prepare their body. So a couple of ways to work with me and you can find it all on my Instagram. Awesome. Well, that's so exciting about your course. I'll be sure to link everything in the show notes so that everyone can get quick access to your content and your course and everything. Awesome. Thank you so much, Heidi. Thank you. One more thing before you go. Are you subscribed to Lifelong Podcast? Have you left a rating and review? Are you following along on Instagram at lifelong underscore pod and at holistic with Heidi? If you're not doing so already, consider doing it to support our show and to help spread this message near and far. Thank you all and we'll see you next week.